Welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. And joining us now to take a look at weather, Eric Snodgrass with Nutrien. Eric, great to catch up with you again, sir. Hopefully you are enjoying fall so far. Yeah, it's uh, it's been chilly around here and, and a bit windy, but uh, you know, kind of finally feels like fall, so I'm, I'm not really complaining. Yeah, I kind of got the fall feelings here too, and I know we're talking maybe some frost potential for some areas. We're going to touch on that in a minute. I want to start, though, with what is going on down in the Gulf. Hurricane Ian, you, know, you and I have been talking the last couple of weeks. We've been watching the tropics and waiting for a big system to come up. Well, we, we got a big system. Hurricane Ian, what's the latest that you're hearing about this storm set to impact uh, parts of the southeast, Eric? Yeah, well, one of the neat things that NOAA does whenever we're, we see a system like this is they train their satellites right on top of it and they collect an image every minute. So I've been just mesmerized by watching some of the satellite imagery this morning. What I'm seeing a lot of what we call hot towers. And so that tells me that the system is developing quickly. Now, the models kind of honed in over the weekend on where they think this is going to go. And there's a front that's draping down over Florida that's going to possibly push in closer to Tampa Bay. Now, when I was a professor at the University of Illinois, one of the things I used to always do with my students when I taught them about severe and hazardous weather was I had them pick out cities along the Gulf Coast and the East Coast that they thought were most vulnerable to hurricanes. And they never picked the city that I say is most vulnerable, and that is unfortunately Tampa. Tampa's very rarely hit from the West. In fact, the last time this happened was 1968 with Hurricane Gladys. And if you take a look here, we, we can see that these hurricanes, when they come out of the West, would push their storm surge into Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay uh, and the surrounding area has about 3 million people and very low elevation, which means the flood threat there is very high. Uh, most forecasts suggest that this could get up to category three or stronger as it approaches Florida, which means wind speeds approaching 130 miles an hour are possible. But it'll be the remnants of this as it gets into parts of Georgia, then eventually pushes even farther to the north, maybe bringing an inch maybe two inches of rain to parts of Tennessee, getting into Kentucky, pushing over toward the Appalachian Mountains. Now, it won't be the strong winds at that point, like the hurricane force, of course, but it'll be windy and we'll have some wetter conditions there. So the remnants of this possibly making it as far north as the Ohio River Valley. But if you're outside of that area, this next week is dry. Uh, and so a lot of folks really making a lot of progress on harvest. Yeah, a lot of folks making a lot of progress on harvest. That is true. We're going to continue to watch Hurricane Ian and the impacts down in the southeast. But let's talk a little bit more about harvest. And I know here the last week or so, we've seen some frost across parts of the northern plains. And we have more potential here uh, coming up over the next few days, Eric. Talk to us about what you're seeing. Yeah, so we've seen frost touch a few different areas uh, coming out of the northern plains into like the upper Midwest. So that includes Wisconsin, Minnesota, the UP of Michigan, even lower Michigan. And there's been some frost in western Nebraska uh, as well. Uh, you know, what we talk about here is th that we've touched frost. We've had temperatures hit like 30, 31, 32 for just maybe an hour or so, which means sometimes in that canopy, the crop canopy, the temperatures didn't get there and maybe the crop didn't really have any damage from it or thankfully a lot of the crop has matured along and is past for example corn past black layer uh, which means it's, it's no longer vulnerable but the question is uh, with this deeper cold air that's over the great lakes right now you know where do we see a frost over the next few days and the day i'm going to be watching most carefully is going to be wednesday morning so we see here that from the gosh the red river valley of the north getting into minnesota possibly clipping a big section of iowa North and northwestern Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, those are all areas that could see, again, the temperatures touch 32. So if they get to that 32 degree mark, 
you know, you got to spend time there. You need a freeze if we're going to have damage. And a frost is when you just touch that 32. So um, is it a little early? Uh, possibly. Normally we get fully into that first full week of October before we start talking about frosts in much of Iowa, Northern Illinois. The normal first frost date where I am in central Illinois is uh, about, um, um, you know, shoot, it's, it's October 15th to the 17th and we're not seeing a frost here just yet. But we got cold air in place and uh, it's actually that cold air that's actually going to push in away as well. Well, and that's something we're going to be watching very closely and see if there is any of that damage. Uh, but overall, again, as you mentioned, fairly dry this week, fairly good harvest uh, weather across the country. And I know we've already seen some some fairly good harvest progress here the last couple of days as well, Eric. Yeah, we did. And I got a chance to drive across Illinois a bit this weekend, and I, I saw just combines rolling, just trying to get the crop out, as, I think, as quickly as they can, because the windows are open for a lot of folks. So if there's a window and you've got the manpower, the folks are going after it. Well, Eric, let's talk a little bit about South America. Let's shift our focus down there. We continue to watch as they are ramping up their planting season in the Southern Hemisphere. What's the latest on the weather outlook for South America? Yeah, so October is that critical month, especially in big states like Mato Grosso. So if they plant fast, what it does is it opens up the whole crop calendar, right? The issues we're seeing right now is that it's quite wet in parts of southern and south central Brazil. So it's like Mato Grosso do Sul over toward Parana, Sao Paulo, getting into Minas Gerais. We're seeing near normal rainfall in parts of Mato Grosso, especially western Mato Grosso. But the monsoon has yet to advance over into like eastern Mato Grosso, into Bahia, Tocantins, these areas which are also set to get a pretty fast planting through the month of October. Where it's dry is along the Paraná River down in Argentina. That's been a place that's also been cold. We've had some issues with drought developing down there that have hit the winter wheat crop. So I think the big thing that we'll be watching here is if La Nina continues to strengthen, which it most certainly has been doing over the last couple of weeks and will continue to do in the month of October, we could see drought issues south, whereas the monsoon gets really going north. So we're going to split South America north-south, troubles farther to the south, quick planting progress to the north. Well, Eric, uh, looking uh, across the rest of the globe, any other issues you're seeing? Anything else you're kind of keeping an eye on here as we work through the week ahead? Yeah, you know, really quickly here, uh, Australia, uh, better rain for the next month. They're going into spring with plenty of soil moisture. Uh, we also see that in Southeast Asia, while a typhoon is approaching, it's not going to make its way inland, which possibly means drought conditions continue from there to, to parts of the Yangtze River. In India, a late monsoonal surge is happening right now, which means above average precipitation. And across Europe, from uh, Ukraine to the Russian wheat belt, Belarus, we do see more than normal fall rains at this point for that area, which was going to be good for winter wheat, but not so good for harvest. I think the biggest concern I have over Europe is if, and we talked about this last week, but if it, if it, if these forecasts verify. Much of Western Europe could be colder than normal this winter, and that could really put a, a major strain on our energy markets uh, and for those folks there trying to just stay warm during winter. Well, we appreciate the time, as always, with that. Eric Snodgrass of Nutrient, thanks for joining us here to take a look at the weather situation as we move forward, and we will talk to you again soon. Have a great one. Yeah, sounds good. You too. And again, that is Eric Snodgrass with Nutrien joining us here on American Ag today to take a look at the weather situation and the outlook moving forward. And of course, we are watching Hurricane Ian closely as it impacts Florida and the remnants of that. We'll see what they do throughout parts of the southeast moving forward as well. You've been listening to American Ag today produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.